from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 605, DevOps, with guest Michael Bender. Recorded Monday, September 10th, 2018. Run As Radio is produced each week by Quap Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Here today with Michael Bender, who is a teacher at heart and has a passion for helping people learn the skills necessary to level up their careers. And he's a cloud ops advocate at Microsoft, where he works in the operations and IT pro communities to scale up on Azure and advocates for these communities in Azure engineering. Before coming to Microsoft, Michael taught Windows networking, server virtualization, and PowerShell at the Madison Area Technical College for 13 years along with creating multiple courses on Pluralsight, covering Windows Server and PowerShell. Welcome, sir. We must have met at that conference. We actually met, I'm not sure which tech ed it was. It was uh, Stephen Rose had introduced us. He uh, used to do the, um, what was it? The Speaker Idol. Yep. That he had introduced us and we had talked about me possibly doing it the following year and nothing ever really came up. So I think we've just kind of passed through the the internet when tech ed ended then speaker idol ended too so i've never been yeah. able to convince the ignite folks to do a speaker idol and you know one of the secrets of speaker idol was that everybody had different motivations so certainly you know getting to speak at tech ed was a big deal especially as an external you know that was always a challenge and there was always a certain number of people really frustrated that they tried again and again and again it could never break in and this was a way for providing an alternative. Hey, you know, you never got picked, but why don't you go into Speaker Idol? And my requirements for Speaker Idol were always the same thing. You can never have spoken for TechEd before and you can't work for Microsoft. But I couldn't pay anybody's way, so you had to have found your way to TechEd anyway. So, you know, t- my typical contestant, I think you fell into this category perfectly, was exactly that didn't work for Microsoft, was going to TechEd, was probably volunteering and had submitted talks before. And, uh, and so then we would give them that little five minute opportunity and, you know, consistently speaker idol contestants were all amazing. They were all very experienced speakers. It just hadn't navigated that labyrinth that was, you know, getting into tech ed. And so while in theory, only the winner got to speak at tech ed the next year in practice, pretty much all my finalists would get picked up. It was pretty normal. I think my best year ever, we had 16 contestants in the following year, eight of them spoke at tech ed. Nice. Yeah. Nice. As somebody sort of living half inside and outside of the system, to be able to poke at the content chair saying, you know, I know it's hard for you to pick third party, but you're leaving really great people that you just don't know about. You know, and I think that I love those that I was at PowerShell Summit this year and they Mm -hmm. do lightning talks where you basically get five minutes to present something. And I think it's such a great way for people that Maybe they have done some presenting, but they really haven't done it in front of a, a real crowd that I think it really gives them a great opportunity. I just, I wish more events would do things like that. Yeah. You know, at Ignite, they have the, the theater sessions, which frankly, I think some are the best sessions. Some of the best sessions I've seen are those theater sessions because it's 20 to 25 minutes of they get up there, 
they give you something that you can basically take home with you that it's, yeah, you know, it's a how to, it's boom. Here's your little nugget. You have no chance to waste any time. As an experienced speaker, like I never had to do that five minute talk, but I did not envy anyone getting something significant across in five minutes. That is super hard. You know, it's very that Mark Twain, I'm sorry this letter is so long, I didn't have time to write a shorter one. To get something in and out in that short amount of time and provide value to the audience, really, really challenging stuff. So yeah, I'm with you. The theater sessions are awesome. In 20 minutes, you can't waste any time. You got to go. Yep. So you're one of the folks that was involved in the crew with a K way back at the beginning. Yep. Yeah. Started back in 07. It was founded by a couple guys and it kind of came out of, I don't know if you remember back in the old tech ed days, they used to have, I can't remember whether it was tech ed connections or whatever the flavor of the year was for their messaging and like community platform. Right. There was a group in there. It was called Where's the Party? (laughs) And it was basically people looking for vendor events, looking for people to get together at night, you know, networking type of stuff. And it kind of grew out of that. And I got involved with the group and met a lot of some really, really cool people. A lot of cool people that I keep in touch with to this day, I see at Ignite. And we created a hashtag. We created a Twitter account. And then it really blew up when we moved in and created a a Facebook group. Because once we got to the Facebook group, then it became, you know, Twitter is really, you know, it's either you're gathering information or it's just like, it's real stream of consciousness that you really can't have a quality conversation between more than one to two people. It is so transient. Yeah. Yeah. That... The Facebook group really helped us to be able to really expand. It gave people the ability to join the group, see what other people had to share, see what other type of problems people were having, and be able to choose when they were ready to engage with the community. Because some people, you know, they're go-getters. They're ready to get involved and all of that stuff. And then we have the large portion of people that just kind of sit in the background and, you know, they're not really sure how to get involved. So it's really given over the years, I've seen so many people come into the group and go from being standing in the corner at one of our meeting greets to two years later, they're doing presentations and then they're becoming an MVP and their careers are just taken off with just as little engagement with other people and getting the opportunity to be able to just network with other people and share the things that they know. You know, I, I mean, obviously I make it a podcast for IT Pro, so I get a lot of email of folks who's like, this is my connection to the fact that there's other IT people out there. And I live in both worlds because I've done, certainly done plenty of dev work and there's .NET Rocks. The developer community seems so natural and casual. I find it interesting how much IT folks struggle with this idea of community. What do you see as the problem? What's the difference? You know, it's it's interesting because in the crew, everybody, when they get together, everybody seems to get fairly social, but there's like, you know, we get these little clicks and everything. And I think one of the things that comes down to it is that even though things are moving towards the middle where 
I see a day where there's no longer developers and IT pros that we're all just kind of technologists, you know, yeah. doing the things that we're passionate about. But what I think where it comes down to is really the job role and the type of job is that, you know, when, when I worked in corporate IT, we were on call 24 by seven for a week. Oh, sure. And I can remember being, you know, setting my alarm for two o'clock every night to go and do changes, whether it be five minutes or a couple hours. And I think what's kind of come with the territory over the years is that the IT pros are the firefighters. Yeah. They're the ones, even if it's the developer's code, there were only a couple times when the developer actually was on call. We were the ones on call. And then if something went wrong, we'd have to chase people down. That I think it was that whole firefighting that you're spending your entire day firefighting with the people you work with, that the last thing you really wanted to do was get together with other firefighters at night that's more <laughs> time away from your family and your friends and talk about firefighting. Yeah. And and I think that's been really the is some of the challenges for the IT pro communities. Cause I've tried a number of times to start up a user group in the Madison area mm-hmm. and it just never really gotten traction. And part of the problem was I could never get other people to really buy in and you know, there were people that really wanted to thought this was a great idea, but getting the other people to actually step in and do the work was a bit challenging. So we were never able to get anything really off the ground in the Madison area. And yet the crew works and continues to work. You still see it at Ignite and and so forth. And maybe it just has to be farther reaching that you can, you do can build the sense of community around this. Yep. And if somebody were to go, what's the secret sauce? How did this happen? I have no clue. <laughs> I've got one idea. As a guy who's worked on conferences for literally decades because I'm old, the thing about a conference when you go to a conference is you're not in the work. You're in that sort of leadership moment rather than the management moment. Like for one week a year, I'm at Ignite and thinking about what's next. What do I want for my career? What's the next technology we're going to take on? Like it's that heads up moment as opposed to the heads down moment. And the idea that you could then go have a beer with a bunch of other people that are heads up at that moment, that's compelling. Yes. You know, I I think that's what's compelling. The other thing now that I think about it is I remember my first tech ed. And I remember it was in Orlando. I remember walking down the stairs to the expo hall and looking and seeing the expanse of this. I had never been to a big conference. The biggest I'd ever been to was like an IT dev connection to the Swan and Dolphin. And so I walk into this and I'm like, what is this? (laughs) The first year of tech ed, some people might, when they hear this, they might be surprised. There was one night I went back to my room. I was at one of the hotels. There was a liquor store next door. I went and I bought a cigar and a can of Foster's and I was sitting on, on the sidewalk, just drinking a beer and having a cigar because I had nothing to do. Right. I didn't know anybody. And then I started to meet more people. And I think, and this is kind of where our meet and greet has come out for our group, is that it's really allowed people to come into a conference like Ignite that's you know just a sea of humanity. And you have people that you can connect with. Yeah. And so like the new timers, it's great to see like somebody that you know, like last year, they had just joined the group and they were kind of, you know, what, 
just kind of feeling it out. They go through their first Ignite. And then the next year inside the group, you see them getting involved in the the day-to-day conversations. And then you see them the next time at Ignite, they're like, they're like on fire. They're like so excited. They're, you know, all of these people that they've met and they're, everybody's got their conference buddies and groups and things like that, that I think, you know, now that I think about it, I think that's really what has caused the growth. And it's been a total grassroots effort. It's never been something like we set out to go chase down members and things like that. Is that sure? most of the time it ends up people hearing about us through something, whether it be some social media. And most of it is coworkers. Is a coworker went to a conference, went to Ignite, and they can't go this year. And they tell their coworker, hey, you need to hook up with the crew since you're going because they'll, you know, you'll meet a lot of people and, and you'll be able to network and you'll have some people to hang out with have a, you know, a beer or whatever you prefer to have. And, you know, just be able to have those, like you said, heads up conversations and those sorts of things. In the end, I mean, as much as we enjoy going to conferences, it is about professional development, like this advancing your career, advancing your role in the organization that you're working for, or however you do your work. And that's what takes place at Ignite, certainly, just with, you know, 25,000 of your closest friends. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's a really interesting dynamic over the years that the way that I approached Ignite, you know, changed a lot over the years mm-hmm. because it moved from just being a pure, I'm in sessions from 8.30 in the morning till five o'clock at night. And then, you know, go do some evening sessions and stuff to, to that, where it, it started to get more of you know, I'm having a sit down with Stephen Rose, or I'm me- meeting with some people at a, one of the product groups, or I'm talking to some vendors. That it morphed into most of the last few years, most of my time was spent not in sessions, right. in what I like to call hallway sessions. Yeah, the hallway sessions, definitely. I used to do a Tech Ed 101 back when there were Tech Eds, like the, on the yep. Sunday before the show started. And the first thing I said was, you know, you're going to be triaging all the things to do. First thing to figure out is what's recorded and what isn't. And all the main body sessions are recorded. Like, it's great to see them in person, but the one thing you can let go is the thing you know is recorded. A good hallway conversation is never going to happen again. So grab it while you can. Given a choice to keep talking to someone you've met over lunch versus going to take a session, keep having the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I can tell you 120%, and I realize my math is off there, <laughs> that I would not be here speaking with you. I would not be in the cloud ops advocate role at Microsoft if it had not been for those hallway sessions sure. that I took advantage of over the years at conferences and networking and meeting people and those sorts of things. But you never know what's going to happen from one of those engagements and, you know, networking with somebody because that could be your next role. Sure. That could be your next new gig or maybe a opportunity to present or some other thing that, you know, those things, they're not recorded. You can't make them any other way. Hey, Michael, give me one moment here for this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by SQL Intersection. Eight full-day workshops and over 40 technology-focused sessions make SQL Intersection a unique source of the best information around SQL Server from real-world consultants and the members of the SQL Server team. 
You'll learn proven problem-solving techniques and technologies you can implement immediately, as well as learn about the future of SQL Server. Get answers to performance monitoring, troubleshooting, designing for scale and performance cloud, as well as new features in the latest version of SQL Server. It's time to determine your migration strategy, and SQL Intersection is the place to figure out the best way to do it. Come to SQL Intersection at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas, December 3rd to 6th. Use the code RUNAS to get your discount on your registration at thesequelintersection.com. And I'll see you there. And we're back. It's Richard Campbell, Run As Radio. I'm talking to Michael Bender. It's maybe a little bit mean that we're publishing this show after Ignite, although admittedly we recorded it before Ignite, because you do have a great blog post on, you know, making your, your Ignite a success. And that idea of like, what is it you really want to get from a show? And the networking pieces are so key. I remember someone asking me once, it's like, you always know who to ask for whatever, right? It's like my Rolodex in Instant Messenger or whatever, you know, your messenger is from is so good. And it came from these events. It was when you make contact with someone and, and now you can ask them a question back in your regular life. Yep. You know, that's what's so key. And as you said, it is kind of weird because I'm actually working on a number of blog posts that people, when you hear this, you will hopefully have seen those that are going through a number of things rolling up to Ignite. But, you know, like you said, I often, when people ask me what the crew is, I refer to the crew is probably the most extensive Rolodex that you can't pay for. Money's not going to buy you access to it. Is right. Getting access to it is using the networks and connecting with the people in it that that's really what's so important, I think, with people's careers and when they're thinking about this. And, you know, depending on where people are at, as far as, you know, hearing this show, I think some big learning things that they can take from if they were at Ignite or maybe they've got another conference coming up is that one of the things I mentioned in the blog, one of the biggest things that I think is really important is you have to go in with a learning goal. You have to know what you want to come out the other end with. Is it you want to speak with the product group about X, Y, and Z and get this figured out in your organization? Is this do you want to figure out how to migrate from being on-prem to being in Azure? Whatever it is that you need to learn that you set a goal throughout the week, you attended Ignite, or maybe you didn't even attend Ignite. You can still use that as a learning platform because all the videos are available. You go, okay. I want to learn all about, you know, the migration. Go out, watch some videos on migration yep. and do what you need to do. And then, you know, if you have to go and then try it in your environment or in a tester environment, you can. But I think the key is really you have to have a goal in mind of, of what you're trying to learn. Because I can tell you that the successful conferences that I've been to versus the non-successful there's been really one key to all of them. It's the ones that were successful and afterwards were successful were the ones where I went in with a specific goal. I achieved the things that I needed to achieve. And then I followed up on all of the other things that I planned to follow up on. The years that I didn't do the best goal setting going in and I didn't have follow up after the conference those tended on not being the best events for me. Yeah, and you, and you just have no evidence that you were there or that you did anything. Correct, yep. It's hard to, to figure any of that stuff out. Do you find, 
the new meetup model seems to be a bit more conductive for your local community groups. And they're not sort of the traditional dev user groups and so forth. Like I'm here in Vancouver and there is a group called Tech Vancouver, which is just sort of that more broader conversation all around and seems to be more IT folks coming to stuff like that. Yeah, I would agree. Just to kind of clarify, you're talking the meetup, online meetup. Literally meetup.com. Okay. Because, I I mean, not everybody can make it to Ignite. Yep. And I'm just thinking, you know, as much as we just said, user groups for IT folks, super rare, really hard to create. But I'm wondering if we're not getting better. Yeah. You know, I think we are. You know, I really like the format just throwing a date out there and going, hey, let's just get together. I've been tossing around the idea of trying to get something started again in my area and just basically having a networking meetup and then kind of see how it goes. I think part of the problem when I tried it before was just trying to it has to be perfect out of the gate. Yeah. And anybody that's run a user group knows that that's not the case. And so I think it's just a matter of trying to get some people together and then taking the same grassroots approach that we did with the crew is just, what do people want out of it? Mm -hmm. If a bunch of IT pros simply want to get together and network with each other, and then they're inevitably going to start going into their little clicks and talking about their things and exchanging ideas. And if that's what they want to do and they get engaged with that, then, you know, keep going with that. So I think that meetup format, I think, works better for the the IT pros for that. And, you know, just the fact that it's online and you can, you know, you can click in, you can click out and then, you know, go go to the meetup if you want to. And it's easy to find a bunch of different meetups. And from an organizer perspective, it's really pretty easy to set one of these up and to try it out and to, to see what happens. For sure. Yeah. And there's no downside, right? It's pretty, it's pretty simple. It's just a question of can you draw some folks in and, and folks keep coming and Breaking out of that mold, whether you go through the crew or anything like that, turning into a speaker, what galvanized you? How did you get turned on to that? So my journey was was a little bit different because everybody's surprised by this. I haven't done a huge amount of presenting at conferences. The reason being because I was a college instructor for 13 and a half years. So right. if I took a week off to go to a conference, that's a week I took out of my students' classes. So that's right. a week of learning that they lost. So I would go to Ignite and Tech Ed because that was my development. Mm-hmm. It was nice when they fell outside of the school year, but when they started moving them around, it got a little challenging. Yep. I would go to MVP Summit when I became an MVP. But for the most part, most of my presenting was in the classroom. But really what kind of galvanized me to you know, wanting to present and getting out there was just the whole concept of sharing what I know. And I'm not one of those. And I've told, I've told my, my boss, Rick, this a number of times is that as far as our team goes, I'm just about sharing what I know, connecting with people and helping people connect. And I don't need to be in front of a crowd. I know there's a lot of presenters. That's why they do it. It's the sharing part, but they 
also love the crowd. They love that, what you get from that. And do I enjoy being on stage and presenting and that whole thing? Absolutely. Would I rather be at home with my family building content that reaches 10 times as many people? Probably that more than being on the stage. Not that I'm afraid of it or anything. For me, it's all about getting that knowledge out there, helping people skill up. And the, the presenting for me is just another tool in the arsenal of making those connections with people and helping them build their ladders so they can be successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a great power to preparing material for other people to use, whether it's for a blog post or for speaking or anything like that. Like I've never learned things more effectively than when I knew I had to present it to someone else. Absolutely. That was the greatest smack in the face reality when I moved from working in corporate IT to taking a job teaching was the amount that you have to know and understand a topic that if you really want to learn something, it's not just doing it. If you can teach somebody that is not your skill level, the topic that you're trying to learn, that's the road to mastery. Yeah, for sure. Is the whole taking a concept and breaking it down to a level. Because a lot of times I've seen people that would probably be absolutely brilliant on a topic and we would bring people into the college and they were absolutely brilliant people. They couldn't break the stuff down to the level of where their audience is. And a lot of times you'll see this at conferences that you sometimes will get these people from, you know, you can tell they're deep engineers. Sure. Yeah. Often the Microsoft engineers at an event like Ignite. Yep. And they've, you know, they're not professional presenters. They're engineers. Yep. And they're, they literally, it's almost like they know too much. Exactly. And the breaking of those topics down, I think is very challenging for some people to do is that the minutiae being down in the topic so deep, that's where they're at, that they really have a hard time being able to just bring it up to a level where, you know, if you were trying to teach it to your mom, that your mom would understand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is great exercise. It just generally makes you smarter all around. So, I mean, for better or worse, it's coming out after Ignite. So there, there are other events, and, and I'll plug SQL Intersection, which is often an advertiser on this show as well, in, in December for another event you can go to. Any other favorites for you? Where do you like to learn? You know, I'm a huge fan of Tech Mentor. Mm-hmm. It's a smaller conference. I think it's really good for, if you're looking for your first conference or you haven't been to one in a while, and you don't want the thousands of people of conferences, Tech Mentor is a great one because it's super engaging. You meet all of the people there. It's a great networking opportunity. You have so many opportunities to speak with the speakers. Like at Ignite. Yeah, you can't get anywhere near a speaker at Ignite. It's just, it's madness. There's thousands of people in the room. Yeah, the chances of you being able to follow up with a speaker in person at Ignite are going to be very slim. Right. Whereas like Tech Mentor, you've got this really great community of people 
And it's a great way to learn a lot of things that are make you immediately effective because they design their presentations as stuff where there's no marketing. It's all, I'll call it third party because it's a third party conference, that it's all, here's what you can do and take it back to your communities. The other conference that I really like is I really like the PowerShell Summit. Don Jones. Yeah. Yep. They've done such a good job with that. Last year was the first time that I was at PowerShell Summit and I submitted a couple of talks for it. So I'm hoping to get a talk there. But even if I don't get a talk there, I'm probably going to be there for sure because that's kind of my community, kind of one of the communities and one of the, the technological areas that I'm kind of representing for the cloud ops advocates. So, you know, I think that's a good one. But I think really any of these opportunities that you have to get to a conference, whether it be a, you know, one to two day conference, or even if it's a half day seminar, that it's just such a great opportunity to get out of the office, to meet some other people that chances are there's people that are in similar boats that you have. And it's just really a great way to to get a new perspective. I think a lot of times, depending on your organization and depending on your role, I think a lot of times IP pros, and this probably happens with developers too, is that they get in this, I feel like I'm in it by myself. Yeah, I'm all alone. Even though they might have coworkers that, you know, when you start networking, you start realizing, you know what? I'm not the only one that this happens to. I'm not the only one that my phone's ringing at night and on weekends. And, you know, not that it solves that problem. No. But like they say, misery loves company. Yes. Well, someone to commiserate with, but also someone who can help you with the strategy to get out of the pounding surf too. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Michael, this is great stuff and really fun to talk about some more of that career-minded things. Often, I think we're in this trap of working on the technical problem, working on the technical problem. So pleasure to spend a half hour with you and just sort of talk about making our careers better. Absolutely. I was hoping that this was the way that our talk was going to go because <laughs> when I joined the team, that's really my passion is, you know, I love technology and I love all that. But at the end of the day, I really think that if our team is going to be successful and helping operations folks get to the cloud and in the, you know, I work for Microsoft and I want you to go to Azure, <laughs> but to be successful, we have to invest in their careers. Yes. And the, the career stuff is so important. I wish more conferences would invest in more career paths. And I've talked to a lot of conference people and they're like, yeah, we'd love to do that, but everybody wants the hard technical stuff. And so it's hard sometimes, I think, from a conference standpoint that they know that the people need these soft skills yep. type of career sessions. However, those people came and are paying for the hard technical stuff. So it's it's a kind of a challenge, but I think a lot of conferences are starting to change with that, especially in the open source area. Yeah. So it's certainly something I do with the intersections conference is I know the person going is not the person paying. 
So I have to make sure I have the content that the person paying is going to be happy with. But a little bit of career stuff and soft skill stuff doesn't take away from that. And it's amazing how many folks are in those sessions. Like They are Absolutely. looking for ways to learn. Michael Bender, thank you so much for coming on Run As Radio. Thank you, Richard. It was a pleasure talking with you. You bet. And it was good seeing you a couple weeks ago. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. <laughs>